Good morning. I thought it would be really nice to have children in the service. I hope you thought so too. It's really refreshing. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Yes, we will. Welcome everybody here and online. Really glad to have everybody here this morning. And we know it's Remembrance Sunday. And we will be coming to this in our intercessions. And also just to say the order of service is going to be a bit different, but that'll make sense as we go along. So Peter is going to preach on the God who forgives and blesses, and he has some notices right now. The eagle-eyed amongst you might have noticed a slight error on the notice sheet that's come out. Um, Sunday the 27th of November, it's saying a joint service at 10. It's actually two services, 9 and 10.45 on that Sunday, in case you're a little bit confused. Um, The only other thing really is um, the community choir starts today, doesn't it, John? Is that right? (laughs) Uh, Is it 3 o'clock? 3 o'clock. So the community choir for Christmas starts 3 o'clock. All welcome. Um, All welcome. So that's wonderful. Thank you, And I'd like to draw your attention to a new, um, I don't know if you've noticed, the Street Pastors Prayer Diary. There's a new one which covers the next three months. There are some on the table at the back. Do pray for Street Pastors, please. You know, it started off with great fanfare, really, ten years ago. I think it was ten years ago. It's a really, really amazing project because young people get in a right mess and they make bad decisions. And Christians out on the streets actually have a really good reputation throughout, in fact, every town, certainly in Shrewsbury. And uh, they're short. We need to be asking God to bring forward those young men, not necessarily young, I don't know, people with energy anyway, who can be on the streets later in the evenings at weekends and it's a great blessing they are a great blessing so anyway the street pastor's prayer diary for your information so just a moment of quiet because god is in all those things lord god please hold for us the things that concern us, the things you give us to do and think and say. Hold them for us, Father, while we really want to see you and hear you in the coming hour. Amen. The um, first hymn is quite an old one, written about 200 years ago. And I just thought I'd have a word about the last verse, because it sounds a bit old-fashioned. The first two verses are a very straightforward prayer, Jesus stand among us, breathe thy Holy Spirit. But the last verse, breathe thy, thus with quickened footsteps, we'll pursue our way, watching for the dawning of eternal day. And I've just been thinking about this and talking to someone, and, and really I think we're asking God to keep us, on this, keep us where he wants us, but at the same time looking forward to the second coming 
which is quite apposite given we're coming up to Advent. So let's sing as a quiet prayer, but we'll stand. Jesus, stand among us. seated. We're going to say together the words on the screen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, The first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these, and on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Amen. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. We're going to confess our sins later in this service, so we're going to go on to intercessions. And these are intercessions for Remembrance Sunday. And after each short prayer, I'll pause and then say, may God, give, may God give peace. And it would be lovely if you would repeat, may God give peace. So shall we pray for all who suffer as a result of conflict. For the servicemen and women who have died in the violence of war, each one 
remembered by God and known to God. May, may God give peace. May God give peace. God, give peace to those who love them in life and who continue their lifelong burden of grief. May God give peace. May God give peace. God, give peace for all members of the armed forces who are in danger this day, remembering family, friends, and all who pray for their safe return. May God give peace. May God give peace. God, give peace for civilian women, children, and men whose lives are damaged and disfigured by war or terror. In penitence, we confess the anger and hatred which humanity is capable of. May God give peace. May God give peace. God give peace for peacemakers and peacekeepers who seek to keep this world secure and free. May God give peace. May God give peace. God, give peace for all who bear the burden and privilege of leadership, political, military, and religious. We ask for gifts of wisdom and resolve in the search for reconciliation and peace. May God give peace. May God give peace. And finally, a prayer for ourselves. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to give us so much love, forgiveness, and kindness that we may think as you would have us think, act as you would have us act, and speak as you would have us speak. Thus, each of us in our own sphere of influence would be lights shining for you. We ask for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. And the collect for today. Grant, we beseech you, merciful Lord, to your faithful people, pardon and peace, that they may be cleansed from all their sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, 
now and forever. Amen. We're going to sing as the deer pants. Would you like to stand? Peter will come and speak to us. Right. It seems we haven't got a reader. So, and I didn't in my notes write down what the reading is. So if someone tells, Peter, yes, why don't Peter, you come and read it. Oh, oh, it's up there. Um, Peter will read it. Let's pray for Peter as he comes up. Father God, thank you for this moment in time which we, where we want to hear your voice. We thank you that Peter will bring your word to us. Make our hearts alive and listening to what will challenge and make us think this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So the reading is Zechariah, chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. 
This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth and the mountain of the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them walking with walking stick in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, for those of you who are visitors amongst us today, or, or sort of popping in, as it were, uh, we are looking at uh, some of the minor prophets uh, in the Old Testament. And uh, today we're looking at, uh, obviously, looking at Zechariah. And uh, what we're trying to do is relate words written so long ago uh, in Scripture, written to people in a different time, in a different place, and relating those words to our world, to the 21st century world. Uh, if you want the posh word for that, it's hermeneutics. Uh, so we're in a hermeneutical exercise here this morning as we interpret Scripture for our present-day world. And of course, it's Remembrance Sunday, and uh, we here today remember and honour those who pay the ultimate sacrifice, giving their lives, men and women, giving their lives of war and conflicts over the last uh, hundred years uh, so that we can live in peace and freedom. And of course, conflicts go on, don't they? And so it's a suitable day to uh, think of this theme that uh, Eleanor's mentioned already, the theme that we're thinking about today, today which is uh, through Zechariah, the God who blesses and forgives Put it the other way around, maybe the God who forgives and blesses. Yes, we get things wrong in our lives, and yet God wants us to start again with him. And so we're going to look uh, briefly at Zechariah. Um, it, all of these minor prophets bring their own challenges, uh, but unlike some of the other minor prophets, Zechariah is a little bit more upbeat, uh, a little bit more optimistic than, say, um, Hosea or Amos. So what do we know about Zechariah? Well, Zechariah was a contemporary of Haggai. Now, we haven't looked at Haggai, but uh, Haggai um, comes just before Zechariah. And both Haggai and Zechariah are prophets who return to uh, the, the land or return to the Holy Land or the land of Israel uh, after the exile. So if you remember your Old Testament history, which I'm sure you've got engraved in your memory, uh, they are taken to Babylon and then they return to their, their own land uh, in about 520 BC. <clears throat> and so this is when Zechariah is ministering and, and prophesying. Uh, he, is, he is actually born in Babylon, Zechariah. And uh, he would have been one of the leaders, the, the leaders of the people who would have looked to him for leadership as they returned to their homelands. Uh, and he was one of the priests of the people as well. How do you know that? Well... Uh, look at the very first verse of Zechariah, and uh, we see what it says there. And it says, In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo. 
Well, Iddo is a strange name, isn't it? Uh, Iddo is mentioned in Nehemiah, and uh, he is one of the priests of the people mentioned under another leader, Zerubbabel. And so uh, Zechariah descended from Iddo. He has a very good lineage. He's got a very good ancestry. He's related to the VIPs. And so we know uh, straight away Zechariah is not only a prophet, but he's also a priest. And so that puts him in the same category as the big heavyweight prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah. So these words of Zechariah, they are, these are, these are, this is big stuff. Uh, this is important stuff. We have to weigh what he says really carefully. Okay, so that's who he is, but what is the point of what he's saying? What's the point of his book? Well, there's a subtle difference between Zechariah and uh, some of the other minor prophets, the earlier minor prophets particularly. Uh, whereas the earlier minor prophets are predicting gloom and doom and judgment, <coughs> Zechariah's main job is to predict and to promise redemption, uh, to promise that, that Israel will return to her former glory. But, that little word, but, the conditional word, there is still work for Israel to do. There's still repenting for Israel to do. they got some serious heart searching to do, some serious soul searching to do, before God can fully entrust them again with his presence in the holy city of Jerusalem. So this book has a double purpose. There's a two-edged <coughs> purpose to Zechariah's book. Firstly, he's trying to bring to their mind the the sin of their ancestors. He's trying to remind them of the fact that their ancestors have gone against the Lord horrendously. And by doing so, warning them, don't go that way again. Don't uh, go the way that your ancestors have gone. That's what he's saying to them. That's the first thing he's trying to do. The second thing he's trying to do is to encourage them to live faithfully for God in the land where they are, and to enjoy his favour. That's the other aim of his book. So there's a twin-edged theme, warning and encouragement. And so I want us to think about that in three ways. Rebellion, repentance, and restoration. The three R's. Okay, not the three R's of school, but the three R's of this one. Rebellion, repentance, and restoration. So rebellion, first of all, the minor prophets, if you've skimmed through them or read them, you may know them very well, but the, the minor prophets are full of judgments, full of God saying to his people again and again, you are going against my way, you have gone against my way, you are disobeying me, says God. And we do that too, don't we? We rebel in our lives every single day, whether we know it or not, we are rebellious against God in our lives whether that's a conscious decision or it's simply the way we are. We are disobedient to God in our lives every single day. We don't match up his, to his standard of perfection. And it can be quite easy, it can be easy, or relatively easy, to convince yourself that you're okay. You know, I'm okay. Um, you know, if you think about the Ten Commandments and you think about the, the laws of the Ten Commandments and you can think, well, actually, look, I'm all right because I, I haven't... I haven't murdered someone. Uh, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't gone out and, and, and stolen something. I haven't been idolatrous, etc., etc. You can, you know, it's, it's fairly 
easy to think about the fact that, you know, I'm okay, I'm not that bad a person. And actually, God, you know, must be quite pleased with me because I haven't done those things. And, and yet the message of Zechariah is again and again, and the minor prophets, is, is to say, actually, that's, that is important, but it's actually what's going on in here that's the most important. It's what's going on in our heart that really matters. It's in our attitudes to others. And it's in our very being that we are inclined to go against God and to do wrong. And so, yes, on the outside, you, you know, it is possible to look so sort of holy or pure or good and yet if you dig underneath the skin a bit it doesn't look quite so pleasant if we're honest with God and if we're honest with ourselves we need God's help and of course the good news of the gospel of Christ is that we have been given help haven't we 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 have been given Jesus he has died for us on the cross he's made a way back to God through dying for us and we can start again that's the good news isn't it Romans tells us, but God has shown us how much he loves us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, yes, we have all rebelled. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of his standards. And so what does Zechariah say about coming back to him and getting right with God again? Well, he says repentance. He says repent. Come back to me, says God. Repentance is, is, a, is, a, is a simple thing to, to know what it is. It's literally it's going one way and then turning around and going around the other way, going back a different way. That's what repentance means, turning around and going back a different way. And that's what Zechariah says to the people. He says, you've got to go a different way. You've got to repent. You've got to go the way that God is asking you to, to, to go. So Zechariah 1 verse 6, if you've got your Bible Open before you, it says this. But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your ancestors? Then they repented and said, The Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. And so what... The Lord is saying through Zechariah here is that the people have, have returned from exile. So they're back in their land. They've come back from exile. And the Lord is giving them a second chance. This is their fresh start. And, and this part of this new start is that God will gather people from all parts of the earth to dwell in Zion, the holy city. But a very evocative truth is found hidden away in Zechariah. And it's mentioned more than once. I'll just, just pick up two examples of it. So uh, Zechariah 1.14 says this. Then the angel who was speaking to me said, Proclaim this word. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. And that is picked up again in our reading that we, we, we read in chapter 8. So chapter 8, verse 2 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. Now some versions of the Bible downplay that word jealousy. If you look at the Good News version, you'll see it, it translates that 
where jealousy, it says deep love. But a better translation is the one that the NIV uses, which is jealousy. So God is jealous for Jerusalem. God is jealous for Zion. God is jealous for his people. And I wonder if you've ever thought that that that, that is true for you, that God is jealous for you and for me. And jealousy is a very strong emotion, isn't it? We don't like to think of God as a jealous God, as being somehow jealous for us. And we tend to use the word jealous in a negative sense. So, you know, you've got something that I, I want, so I want to, that it is mine. So if you have whatever it is, a possession or something, you've got that. Me being jealous of that means I want it for myself. That's the negative definition of jealousy. But the word has another meaning, and the other meaning is is this. It's a more positive meaning. It's that, that being jealous of something or even someone is placing value on the things we hold most sacred in our lives. Let me give you a couple of examples. I love my daughters. And so I'm jealous of my time with them and I don't want to waste it on other things. Or I love my wife. And so I'm jealous of protecting my friendship with her and I don't want things to spoil that relationship. Now this is how C.S. Lewis describes God's burning, jealous love for us in his book, brilliant book, The Problem of Pain. And I'll quote what C.S. Lewis says. When Christianity says that God loves us, it means that God loves us. You asked for a loving God, you have one. Not a senile benevolence that drowsily wishes you to be happy in your own way, Not the cold philanthropy of a conscientious magistrate. Not the care of a host who feels responsible for the comfort of his guests. But the consuming fire himself. The love that made the world. Persistent as the artist's love for his work. And despotic as a man's love for a dog. Provident and venerable as a father's love for a child. Jealous, inexorable, exacting as love between the sexes. How this should be, I do not know. It passes reason to explain why any creatures, not to say creatures such as we, should have a value so prodigious in their creator's eyes. End of quote. The fact is God loves us so much he feels jealous when we put other things above him. Worthless things above him. But equally, if he's jealous for us, that means he's looking out for ways to bring us comfort in our distress and the touch of his love when we are in a difficult place. And part of realizing that God is jealous for us and of us is that we come before him and say sorry. But it's a hard thing to do. It can be a hard thing to do. Uh, Elton John said in one of his songs, sorry seems to be the hardest word. Saying sorry to God can be a challenge to our ego, to our self-satisfaction that makes it difficult to admit we need his help. 
not just saying, you know, God, I've blown, I've tied my shoelaces up wrong. No, it's God, I've messed up life. Come and help me. So what do we do? Well, it's not about beating ourselves up and saying, oh, you know, Lord, I'm a horrendous sinner. No, I don't, think it's, I don't think that's what it's about. Because God sees us as a new creation. He sees us as perfect in Christ. He loves us. What it's about is being real before him. Asking him to search our heart. Those that I was saying earlier, that heart attitude. Asking him to search our heart attitudes. Maybe someone you need to forgive. Maybe a critical spirit. Maybe when you're under pressure, what bubbles up? Maybe a spiritual arrogance that says, oh Lord, I'm so wonderful. I'm such a wonderful Christian. And that can lead to looking down on others, especially, dare I say it, looking down on those who aren't yet Christians. So take some time this week to come before God and say sorry. And as you do that, as I do that, he will enable us to walk closer with him. And that brings me to my last R, restoration. Because God's people repent of their sin, God promises he will return to his holy city, Zion. And so Zechariah 8.3 says this, I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth and the mount of the Lord Almighty and will be called the holy mountain. And then we won't go into this, but chapter 8 goes on and gives about 10 blessings. Blessings of peace, blessings of forgiveness, blessings of righteousness as Jerusalem is restored. Remember, this is prophetic writing, remember. And each of those phrases, if you want to read it through later, begins with words... This is what the Lord Almighty says. Again and again. This is what the Lord Almighty says. And it's an amazing list of blessings. A very impressive list of blessings. And the wonderful thing is that God wants to bless us too. God wants to bless us here at Christchurch. He wants us to be a blessing to others. That's his desire. And we're doing that. We are doing that. We're doing it as we live out our, our, our core values. Our core values are worshipping God, loving Jesus, and living his adventure. But we've got some work to do, church. I think we've got some repenting to do of our heart attitudes, if I'm honest. And I count myself in that as well. And this is what I felt God has been saying to me as I've written this talk this week. As a church, we've got some serious heart and soul searching to do before God so that God can fully bless us with his presence again. And so, as I said earlier, spend some time in quiet this week with God and seek his face and ask him where we each need to repent before him. So remember those three R's, rebellion, repentance, and restoration, because this is a warning and an encouragement to keep on pressing with the Lord into all he has ready for us so that you, so that me can receive his blessing so that we can bless those around us.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these books of the Old Testament, these books of the Minor Prophets. We thank you for Zechariah. We thank you for his prophecy. We thank you that his words are timeless and true. And we thank you that as we read them, we can, as we reflect on them, we can see that truth reverberating in our lives. We can see that truth ringing true in our lives as we come before you, Lord, to repent and say sorry. We can see that you call us to be a people of blessing, to bless those around us with your very presence. May, Lord, we never, never take that for granted, that we are people who carry the Holy Spirit to be a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name. moments quiet as we reflect on what God has said to each one of us. So let's confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Together. Almighty God, long-suffering and of great goodness, I confess to you, I confess with my whole heart, my neglect and forgetfulness of your commandments, my wrongdoing, thinking and speaking, the hurts I have done to others, and the good I have left undone. O oh God, I have sinned against you. Forgive me and raise me to newness of life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we confess our sins, God promises to forgive us. The Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Father God, thank you that you restore us. Amen. And stay seated. Shall we sing prayerfully once the song... I'm accepted, I'm forgiven. We sing it slightly more slowly and thoughtfully, just once. 
Amen. Now let's declare together as we stand what we believe about <laughs> our God. So shall we say a creed that I've found it comes from Iona. We believe in God above us, maker and sustainer of all life, of sun and moon, of water and earth, of male and female. We believe in God beside us, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, born of a woman, servant of the poor, tortured and nailed to a tree. A man of sorrows, he died forsaken. He descended into the earth to the place of death. On the third day, he rose from the tomb. He ascended into heaven to be everywhere present. His kingdom will come on earth. We believe in God within us, the Holy Spirit of Pentecostal fire, life-giving breath of the church, spirit of healing and forgiveness, source of resurrection and of eternal life. Amen. Jesus says to us, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. So the peace of the Lord be always with you. So shall we offer each other the sign of a peace and keep as we often, as we are at the moment. If you like to stay seated, then we'll know that you prefer not to come too close to other people. going to use Eucharistic prayer hinge. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and It is right to praise you, Father, Lord of all creation. In your love you made us for yourself. When we turned away, you did not reject us, but came to meet us in your Son. You embraced us as your children and welcomed us to sit and eat with you. 
In Christ you shared our life, that we might live in him and he in us. He opened his arms of love upon the cross and made for all a perfect sacrifice for sin. On the night he was betrayed at supper with his friends, he took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His body is the bread of life. At the end of supper, taking the cup of wine again, he praised you. He said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His blood is shed as we proclaim his death and celebrate his rising in glory. Send your Holy Spirit that this bread and wine may be to us the body and blood of your dear Son. As we eat and drink these holy gifts, make us one in Christ, our risen Lord. With your whole church throughout the world, we offer you this sacrifice of praise and lift our voice to join the eternal song of heaven. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the heart. Our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. As well, we will be directed forward by the stewards, uh, the bread in the centre and the wine on either table, and the non-alcoholic uh, drink will be at the table on that side.
Brother Christ, keep you in eternal life. Amen. And we'll say this post communion prayer together. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace, and opened the gates of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's lift those to the Lord who can't be with us today. Father, we lift to you those who can't be with us here today, whether being in hospital or at home, for all manner of reasons. Lord, we lift them to you. We ask that you would touch them with your heavenly touch, inspire and strengthen and bring them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. As our final hymn, we're going to sing an Easter hymn. Wonderful hymn. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God, who came ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Saviour. When he comes, our glorious King, all his ransomed and restored home to bring, then anew this song we'll sing. Hallelujah, what a Saviour. Would you like to stand?
May God, the living and eternal one who loves us with an everlasting love, be with us in our comings and our goings. May he bless us, may he preserve us and keep us in his faithful unending presence as we walk our daily walk with its routines, appointments and surprises. Amen. So let's go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.